The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. Um, this is the episode just after the game against the Washington football team, which I will never tire of say- saying, and just before the Thursday night game against the Arizona Cardinals, which now has a, just a ton of drama surrounding it. Um, will they be able to fill the team? How will they do if they can fill the team? Um, it, it's out in Arizona. It's travel day on a short week. Just brutal for a Midwest team going to a West time zone. Um, so we'll talk about all of that shortly. Um, with me, as pretty much always, in urban Wauwatosa, we have... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, I do think they'll field a team, but I have a feeling, Paul, we're going to talk about punting a lot. First of all, Corey Borges <laughs> Corey. is one of our favorites on this podcast, but also punting in a conceptual uh, sort of way. Yeah, because- I think you're right. It how, might be it might be time to punt a game. Might be might be time to punt a game. There uh, and just to set the table on that a little bit, the Packers are currently six and a half point dogs. That went down a lot over the last couple days because of Devontae Adams winding up on the COVID list, and today Alan Lazard, because of his close contact nature, also ending up on the COVID list, and the Packers having very few receivers to actually play. So not looking great, but yeah, uh, punting, punting can be good. Punting can be bad. Corey Bayorkas, I actually forgot. Uh, I was at the game this weekend and there were a lot of slowdowns and reviews and long delays, but I forgot one of the more exciting ones was actually Corey Bayorkas' punt that landed on the one millimeter line that I, I, <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't think he got reviewed. Did the, That was one where the, the umpires just talked amongst each other and decided it didn't hit the line, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. The announcers were like, oh, yeah, it's definitely a touchback. The, uh, you know, official rule touchback. And then next thing you know, they decided, no, it's actually at the five uh, <laughs> thing of beauty. I think it was Equinemius who put put the, sh- the screenshot of that on Twitter. Showing I think it, it was. Landing. Perfect. And I mean, Equinemius had a nice game and we could talk about that. I, I, it's too bad because uh, Matt. Matub is the punting expert. And once again, we think Matub is going to be on this podcast, we but we are not sure. Yes. Uh, it is, uh, it is tough to get that man on the phone these days, but, uh, <laughs> so, so like, he's not hiding, waiting to drop in the, Hey, this is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Although, although but, I can't but promise. Maybe he will. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad. He's the punting guy. And this was a punting showcase once again for <laughs> when you talk about the, 
the 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 free agent pickups. Devondre Campbell, obviously, the guy. What well, another great game, amazing. But then Corey Borges, like number two, they they significantly upgraded their team at two spots this offseason. They really did with, with totally under the radar pickups. I, I still am not quite sure why Corey Borges is just like rolling around available like why do the bills let him go i don't know but but yeah this has been a these two guys really really upgraded this yeah i I still like we we should take credit once again for suggesting (laughs) uh i mean what honestly one of the greatest moments in reporting is eligible history when we were i forget who asked we should credit that person i will go look it up at some point but we were asked who they could upgrade a punter with and you and i both independently came up with Corey barquez and then they did it which never happens Pretty sure that was Archon, and I, I could be totally wrong. It might I'm be Archon. Sure that was his question yep. because he challenged us to do some research, and I, I, we both we did. Up, we did came to the same conclusion, and we win, Paul. Yeah, we we totally win, and it just a great upgrade. He's been fantastic. Um, it, how how often have we whined about punting this year? Basically, never. And he's been a boomer. He's hit an 82 yard punt. He that punt was amazing. It was down at or it hit the one inch line. Just just fantastic. Corey Barakas has been everything we hoped he would be. There's not more you can say. 82-yarder last week, and and probably as cool as the one-yard line bounce back was, he also got out of a jam in the end zone where he had pressure coming. I mean, it looked like somebody got a fingertip on it, which they couldn't have. It was a 60-yard punt, a pedestrian 60-yard punt, (laughs) Uh, but it definitely got the Packers out of a major, major hole. That was, uh, they were pinned down kind of, they they were not winning the field position battle at this point in the game, and uh you know, again, like I'm not going to say they won the game because of him, because that's a little bit much, but yeah, he definitely contributed to that win in a significant he way. He did, and and credited by Maurice Drayton after the game for specifically an adjustment on that end zone punt to get it away without getting blocked. So, yes, um, just just a fantastic effort punting. Um, I know we shouldn't talk about the punter too much. We like offense, but he he's <laughs> been a real difference maker for the team compared to what they've had since like Craig Hendrick, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think there's more to say about special teams, but Paul, before that, let's get yes. to the be- Let's go all the way back to the beginning to you getting into the stadium. Let's go all <laughs> the way back to that before we break down this Washington game. Tell yeah. me about it. Okay. So um, uh, everybody who's been to Lambeau knows the Lambeau deal. Like your ticket says that you're supposed to go in a specific gate. Um, if you're wise, you know, that's not actually true. You can kind of go in any gate. You can definitely go in the atrium entrance, uh, the quick trip gate this time. And that happened to be close to where we parked. And uh, we passed by a few of the other gates on the way to it. And just seemingly they didn't have as many metal detectors and as many people working gates as normal. And I don't know if this is a holdover from not having as many people in the stands because of COVID. Um, I have not been to Lambeau since pre-COVID. It's been a while just because of the world. But um, normally, I've got this timed out pretty well. I go to a lot of Packer games in Lambeau. And normally, you can get in in about 20 minutes. It's maybe 25 sometimes. Um, And that's like within um, a half hour of the game starting. So, you know, we usually start to head over there like 40 minutes before game time, confident we'll get in. And I was a little running a little bit late this time. I had a friend who hadn't been there before, so showing around a little bit, and, and got in line like 25 minutes before kickoff. Um, and it was huge. The line was gigantic. It stretched all the way back to the end of the Lambeau parking lot, took a hard right, went down. Um, uh, we were on Ridge, I think. Um, Ridge, went down Ridge, like a significant amount, and just was it was way larger than i've ever seen it before and very slow to the extent that even though we got in line 25 minutes before the game started saw the flyover from outside 
missed the McLaurin touchdown, missed the, got in right as Devontae Adams was scoring. I saw that on one of the TVs by one of the food stands. So I don't know if this has been going on all season, but they used to be much quicker about getting people in. And this wasn't like they weren't checking vaccine cards or anything. This was just normal procedure of metal detectors and scanning tickets. And, and it just wasn't working. It was taking forever. Um, not sure what the deal is. They need to staff that up and get people in faster, though, because it wasn't just me. Uh, when, when we got into Lambeau, it was still pretty empty, and it was taking everybody a long time to get in. Um, very annoying. So normally I would not be interested in a story about someone's personal struggle to get into a, uh, a stadium. There are <laughs> many of these, but I, I do feel like anecdotally there have been more of these, and obviously there are only so many Packers games. But with the Brewers, I've noticed it a lot. Same. You know, yes. see a lot of complaints about – we can't get into the building. And and the funny thing is I, I've been to a handful of Brewers games this year, no Packers games, but Brewers games. And oddly enough, I've not had that experience at all. In fact, there's never, there has not been, I've been to maybe five or six games this year as a fan. Never once did I struggle to get in. And we came at different times. We came before the game. We came after the game. It just started. It's weird. It's mis- It's mysterious to me. And I do think I, I would personally under complete speculation without knowing it, because because it is a security procedure, you're unlikely to get a lot of information from the club or the team. If you ask about it, like I, I've done stories where I ask about certain security things, things like the lines actually specifically, and they just don't want to tell you much because they obviously don't want to shed huge amount of detail about what goes into their security process. Yep. I would speculate it's purely a manpower thing that, that we're seeing in all facets of, of American society good right point, now. Good point. And, and you're talking about people who are part-timers. So we're not talking about plush jobs that people are going to be, you know, competing for. Typically you're talking about an older workforce, a retired workforce. And, and I, I in no means want to throw shade that direction, but we're talking about people who aren't moving at, at warp speed. You know, it's not 25 year olds who've done this or, or 30 year olds who've done this a long, a long time. You're talking about people who are, you know, there to help, but aren't necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily full-time employees or super invested. And at the same time, I'm guessing there isn't going to be a lot of open calls for, Hey, we need you to help with security because <laughs> you're going to get a lot of no, randos right. who are like totally ready to help with security, especially at Packers games. I think if I had to guess the process is a little more word of mouth. It's a little more through different organizations, different relationships, you know, trying to find the right people. And that process right now is probably not the most efficient thing in the no, world because there just aren't that many people. You're right. This is, it's a good point. It's not your run of the mill, like minimum wage job, which people are having a hard enough time filling in, in other areas of the economy. This is actually something that you probably need to vet people for. You can't have someone who is compromised in some way, working security in, 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 in an NFL stadium. And it's not like a primo job where you're going to be paying anything close to top dollar to do <laughs> Right. So that makes a lot of sense. I bet they are understaffed. And that that actually makes a lot of sense as to why they couldn't get people there to get people into the stadium. I do think over time, teams have not made it easier on themselves with various rules about bags. And yeah, uh, the bag rules are are very cumbersome. And yeah, you it's a slowdown every time anybody doesn't get that memo. And that's somebody every game. Right. At the same time, you know, it's all it's all like, well, I don't want them to take fewer security measures either. You know, like there, there is a there is a happy medium in there where you can be like, OK, well, this a bigger bag really doesn't lead to a higher incidence potential, really. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, again, I, I think teams have, have at times shot themselves in the foot. But I also think it is a 
it's a total game to game situation. At least I feel that way with the Brewers game. Some, some days the lines really do stretch around the yeah. block and it isn't even necessarily because the crowd is much bigger that day. It's just some days you get, I think a crew working a gate entrance that isn't there isn't the best. You I think know? you're right about that. I've also heard that more with Brewers Day games um, than sure. night games, and that also makes a lot of sense. You have a much less of your workforce available when it's not after hours, and um, exactly that makes things a lot harder. So um, I also did want to mention that uh, for the fifth conse- my fifth consecutive Packer game, <laughs> when I got to my seats, someone was in them, and I think at <laughs> I I think at least. One other time, it was the same people, um, and I I do think that they are just legitimately very confused old ladies who go to section one sixteen instead of one fourteen every time. So three times it was people um, poaching because I um, my family just we have um, two sets of tickets. One is in the end zone, and they're you know there's no bad seats in Lambeau, but they're not as good. These were the good seats. These were twenty five yard line seats that I lucked into this time, and uh, I think uh, they're poachers once in a while, but. I did have to do the thing. I have a a routine. When I go up to the row, I ask the person in the row, hey, is this row X where I sit? And they say yes, so I know I'm in the right row. And then I go down to my seats, and there's always somebody there every single time. Like, it, it is a little more difficult on the bleacher setup. You can get people sort of shuffling over with their with their big booties, just a little bit extra over to the side. But I also. Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely the guy who like will not sit in other people's seats because I hate the idea of that interaction it's where so someone bad. shows up. <laughs> like even if it's if it's a Brewer game and there's you know twenty thousand people there, which is not a very you know not very well attended, yeah. and I could easily choose from any one of these rows. I still like I wait well into the game because I just don't want to be the guy that you have to ask to leave. I don't like asking other people to leave my seats. I don't like being in the way. So. Uh, so I, uh, I don't understand it when, when you've got the, the poachers, especially cause Lambo Lambo's going to sell out every time guys, someone's going to sit in that seat. Uh, but, uh, but I guess, I guess you never really know. I don't know. <laughs> Pity the people who cannot figure out where their, where their seats are, especially if they come to the game multiple <laughs> times, they should probably have the process figured out by now. Uh, they really, really should, but you get, you get some, some really old crowd in there too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so you want to start not actually with Washington. You want to start with this Arizona game coming up on Thursday. Is that right? Yeah, it's so close, and there was so much breaking news over the last like 48 hours on this game. I think it's worth doing. Like, And the Washington game, it had its moments of intrigue, but uh, I, I feel like this is really the biggest, as of right now, kind of the biggest game of the season that we may sort of be robbed of by yeah. everybody getting COVID. Because it's the 49ers game from last year. It is. When the Packers went to San Francisco, and San Francisco was a shell of itself. Yeah, when, when COVID ravaged them. But Arizona 7-0, and the Packers are 6-1. and This is like a, a pre, you know, almost an NFC championship game preview to some extent. Buccaneers, obviously, their, their own thing. <laughs> you know, aside from the Buccaneers, we will not take that honor away from them. But, like, um, it's just a shame it's going to – one of the biggest problems, just just to start off here, like so, as the update, uh, Devonte Adams is vaccinated, um, is on the COVID list. If he passes two tests in the next uh, before the game starts, twenty four hours apart, he can play. But the timing on that is tight, and and my understanding is, if you're vaccinated, the only reason we would know about it is if you had some symptoms. Um, so he is likely symptomatic and has to pass two tests before Thursday. That's why he's unlikely to play. But it's not out of the out of the realm of possibility that he plays here's the thing this game was on sunday he would definitely play um yeah that that's the crappy part about it is this this the, the fact that this is on thursday is gonna rob us of a Devonte adams game because 
if he had three more days to pass twenty to, to pass two tests, he would definitely would. Um, it, there's almost no doubt about that. Um, so it it really sucks for that reason. And then Alan Lazard tested positive. He didn't test positive. He is a close contact because of Adams. Today he's unvaccinated, which uh, we should criticize Alan Lazard for. What That's are you extremely doing? Extremely stupid. This is stupid. Extremely stupid. This is this is the cost of doing that. Um, you are the fill in for Adams, like. Um, MVS, who we'll get to in a second, is a deep threat. He's not Devontae Adams. He doesn't replace Devontae Adams. He does a different thing. When Adams is out, his primary replacement is Alan Lazard, who runs the whole route tree and does a lot of other things. And if they're missing both of them, you have to go really far down the depth chart to replace him. And one of the guys you would replace him with is Malik Taylor, who was also on the COVID list, fortunately, from October 15th and was activated today. So he is at least available to play, although he's Malik Taylor and, you know, he had a good preseason, but he's just a guy. Um, And to round out everything, Joe Barry tested positive for COVID as well. He is also vaccinated, as all Packer coaches are. And so, um, and, and, you know, he's a coach. He can coach remotely. Um, Jerry Gray can do a lot of that work, but still worth noting, it's going through the locker room right now. And we might not be done. That's the other yeah, thing too. And that's why it's important to note where we are as we record this, because yeah. the next t- by the time someone hears this, we we may learn of other names that that are that are going to be out. Um, and, and obviously, when you're talking about just one position group, that's not necessarily cause to be talking about a punt game, like I brought up at the beginning. But you're already down. You know, obviously, Zadaria Smith and Jair Alexander are not going to play. I would doubt David Bakhtiari plays. I mean, he's no practicing way. now, but it just makes no sense yeah. to you On know a short try to. Week. Right. And, and, and so, so you're still missing those guys don't know about, about MBS's status. And you, you, we go back to this team is six and one. Now they're going to make the playoffs seven teams in each conference, make it there's 17 games. The Packers are going to make the playoffs. They're, they're going to. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need this game. And given that they have to travel on a Thursday night, it's, it stinks. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm not talking about like sending Jordan love out there for the first snap. That's not going to happen, but if a quarter and a half goes by and the Cardinals are up a few scores and it's not looking good, I think you're going to see, I, I, I feel like they're going to call off the dogs a yeah. little bit early here. And I think that's how you play it. You give it, you give it a shot. You see if you can like build a lead that you can rely on and run on. And if you can, great. But if you can't, I think what you do is you have a very short leash on this and you, and you punt it pretty quickly because it's a long season. And this game is about the one seed. And that it, this is, this is week eight. Um, it's very speculative at this point. There are uh, the Packers have a very hard schedule by Football Outsiders. They have the hardest schedule remaining. Yeah, and I don't think the one seed's in the cards. It, with that it, schedule. It, realistically speaking, it's just not. Um, if you go, by the way, go look at Tampa's schedule. If you want to, if you want to confirm how unlikely it is, they have a very, very, very easy schedule compared to the Packers. It, Love it when those Super Bowl champions get a nice, a nice cookie cutter road <laughs> back to the Super Bowl. They ended up with the NFC East. If you're wondering how that happened, it's just uh, we got the red, we have the Redskins. So we have the football team, but they have like the whole division, and it's just going to be an easy road for them. Um, and Arizona um, ha- plays in a harder um, division than the Packers do, but they have a pretty easy schedule outside of it as well. And with Russell Wilson being out for a bit, it gets even easier for them. So. Um, it's it's a long you know it's not out of the question but if the Packers pull it off uh, it would be pretty amazing and it would mean that they are a legitimately 
great number one seed. So it should be noted that Seattle without Russell Wilson's that is the team that's on the Packers schedule. So it that's is. a different challenge than it. And, and you watch them on Monday night. Ugh. I mean, you got to circle that as a win at this point. Well, the Chiefs... except speculation is he might be back for that game. Okay. That okay. Is... So that's a concern. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs are are not what we thought they were going to be. Their defense is atrocious, it's and Patrick Mahomes is banged up. So that's you know that's one of the games that I think everybody circles as an automatic loss when it shows up as the 17th game on that schedule. But you know that's that's coming up here in a couple of weeks, and I, I mean it's still it's still a tough road, but it is negotiable. Again, like it is, it said is. this a lot. It's not like the Packers have shown that they're they're not crushing people. So it's not like you expect them to just be markedly <laughs> better. I, I mean. Did anyone would they be favored against Arizona if everyone was healthy? No, not nope. not at all. This is going to be a very tough game to win anyway. Yeah, they still would be three point dogs. So, um, but they also have the Rams coming up, which is also a very tough road yeah. to hoe. Um, I mean, they beat them last year, but Matthew Stafford makes quite a bit of difference. They have the Ravens and running quarterbacks, and the Packers just don't get along. Um, Ravens might be a pretender a little bit though. They've had a lot of crazy lucky wins, lucky breaks. They have. I do. I I trust their front office quite a bit, and they they have a. They just have an unconventional offense that leads to a lot of unconventional things happening. <laughs> that's the that's the thing about the Ravens. Um, they're they're good, but they're good in a very weird way that makes them vulnerable to certain things and also superior in certain scenarios. So. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the Packer schedule can change drastically. I mean, is Baker Mayfield's shoulder going to still be dead on Christmas Day? Um, maybe I don't know. Um, that matters a lot too. Uh, so. We'll see. Also, just really quick, it, we are, we are a few weeks away from our first Vikings game, but don't sleep on the Vikings who um, have good under the surface numbers, but are just incompetent at game day execution and keep losing stupid games on missed field goals and um, other nonsense that we associate with you know incompetent day to day teams. So they can jump up and get you pretty easily, and they did once last year. Did, has Kirk Cousins had COVID? I don't think he has. I don't think he has. I think he's. I feel like so we're far. we're waiting for that. To, yeah, the that shoe, shoe, drop. shoe will drop at some point. Uh, okay, so the Cardinals do the thing that is is a problem for the Packers, and that's they they get after it. They get after the quarterback really well. They got a great pass rush. Obviously, they have JJ Watt, but that's not not even the featured attraction here. And um, that does seem to be. I thought Rodgers actually handled the rush when I rewatched this game. I thought he handled it pretty well against Washington. I, I thought he was on time for the most part, but it does seem like that pass rush is going to limit what the Packers can do. Yeah, Sim plain and simple. This was his best game passing under pressure so far this year for sure. But it's still a weakness for him. Um, it's it especially impacts his deep passing, which. Um, if MVS plays, which is not a sure thing at this point, he has not been activated off IR and he's got a hamstring, but um, speculation is he will be. But um, it's a way to kind of shut down the Rodgers MVS connection if you can get pressure on him. And if he's the primary replacement for Adams in this game, that's not good. And he still does take quite a few sacks. He um, he hasn't changed his ways over his career and he holds the ball a long time. And Chandler Jones is extremely good. He's a very good pass rusher. Marcus Golden, I don't know if people know him. He's been around a long time. He's 30, but he leads this team in sacks so far this year. He's got six. So his pressure rate's not as good as some of the other guys. Um, but, like, J.J. Watt's been playing back to his sort of old-school, normal Hall of Fame self. And just being that dominant lineman, um, getting his hands up, getting pressure, like, every time. And the one place Rodgers really struggles is with pressure up the middle. 
Um, that's yeah, when it's outside, he's pretty good at rolling out and reacting to it and buying time. When it's up the middle, is when he kind of panics a little bit and just goes down. And Arizona is particularly good at that kind of pressure, especially against a Packer offensive line that's still a little bit beat up. Um, assuming Bakhtiari doesn't play in this game, that they gave up some pressure up the middle against Washington as well, and uh, they did they fixed that as the game went on, but it was a problem for a while. So not looking forward to that matchup here. Do you think that if with that being said, if if Bakhtiari forget even this game when he comes back, they put Elton Jenkins at center? I, I think they might, uh, but who, uh, it's so hard to judge with them. Um, I, it might be a matchup specific thing, honestly. Um, based on where pass rush is going to come from. But uh, I do think that they do have to, uh, you know what, it, it, it also depends on Josh Meyer too, because he's, yes, he's yes. been hurt. And I think if he is playing center, it fixes just so many problems on the interior. But if he's out, it's a weakness. Uh, it, and I do think they need an anchor there, because that is where Rodgers struggles with pass rush more than any place else. And of course, the Cardinals, if they have a weakness, it's against number one receivers. <laughs> and the Packers... <laughs> Almost certainly will not have their number one. Receiver. Yeah. So um, if you go to football outsider splits, they're not weak against number one receivers. They're still like the ninth best, but relative to how they are other things, it's, it's a weakness. So, and Devontae's so good. Like if, if you're not like top five against Devontae, he'll get his work done. But if he doesn't play in this game, that means that the Cardinals get to basically dedicate um, elite coverage to a less than perfect receiver. And, making matters worse like where the cardinals have struggled is down their depth chart with their backup corners against slot receivers fourth receivers and occasionally fifth receivers but just third and fourth uh randall cobb um if you're looking for a guy to have a good game out of the out of the blue cobb is going to get a ton of targets if if adams is out and their slot receiver uh, coverage has been bad so far this year they're 29th um hmm. they're first against tight ends so oh, if you're looking for bob, bob to repeat his performance from last week you or can, big dog. You can, yeah. Or I, I kind of think Lewis is almost not a tight end. He's no, he's, he's, a, he's a trick play guy. So, <laughs> um, I, I if I think Mercedes might still show up, but I, Bob's just going to be blanketed by the best coverage he's seen all year. And if he shows up, it'll it'll be impressive. But I don't expect it. So, um, you really needed receiver depth for this game. It's how you beat them. It would have been a good like Alan Lazard, um, Randall Cobb duo while Devonte kind of is a decoy. And you can't do that anymore. It, like maybe Malik Taylor goes off, but uh, I wouldn't bet my game on that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a huge test for Amari Rogers. He's maybe. I, I realize him and Cobb are kind of the same guy, but like I, I don't know where else you turn here. Uh, Juwan Winfrey off of the let's let's spend a moment on Juwan Winfrey, uh, who might not be that bad. Uh, like I'm not going to predict a, a blow up game from Juwan Winfrey because if he does get called up, he'll get will get called up. I think he's mostly a special teamer, but um, I think he might be a little better than average for a practice squad guy. He uh, he he's one of those preseason all stars who has a an interesting level of athleticism behind him. He is a tall guy, like the Packers prefer. He is especially good on the explosion drills, and um, I like those guys. And uh, especially with good, he has better than average body control when he is making those sort of deep catches. So. I really like Juwan Winfrey. I, I actually predicted him to make the team out of camp uh, over Equinemius, who uh, will maybe also play a big role in this game. Yeah, <laughs> but sure. I, I like Winfrey quite a bit, and I kind of... Um, you know, remember when Alan Lazard kind of broke out when all the receivers got hurt? And he, I think it was against the Lions, and he just kind of took over the game. Um, if you see that happen from Winfrey, because, um, well, 
somebody's got to play like the number one slot. And right now, that's probably Malik Taylor. Uh, like they they have set positions. If, even if MVS plays, he's he's you know that he's his normal self. He's not replacing Devonte. Um, if Taylor doesn't work out or can't go for some other reason, um, Winfrey might actually get that spot. Um, Equinemius may be before him, but uh, I kind of like him there. So um, it, it, it would be a, a lo- I will say a long shot good game for Juwan Winfrey, but uh, I, I like him better than Equinemius. And offensively, as you've written here in the rundown, this is a team <laughs> that that moves quickly. Twenty five seconds between snaps at, at you know at most. So I, I don't know. That seems a little different from anything the defense has seen this year. Yeah, um, Arizona is based entirely around running very very quickly. Uh, they take almost no time between snaps. It, uh, one change from last year: when they get ahead, they do start to grind clock. They didn't do that in the past, um, but. Their passing game is kind of weird. It's really based on uh, it, it is so. Cliff Kingsbury is famous and made his bones with the air raid offense. Um, they run very quickly. They use a lot of receivers and they throw passes very quickly, and that's how they eliminate pass rush. Um, his passing game is very kind of actually kind of boring. They don't run a huge section of the route tree, and Kyler Murray, like despite having a huge arm, like he's a baseball player too, a baseball level arm, and uh, being able to buy a lot of time is very low on the intended air yards chart. He mostly checks down to receivers and lets his receivers do the work for him. Uh, That has not worked in the past very well until they got DeAndre Hopkins, who's very good at that. Um, Christian, or that's not his, uh, what's Kirk's first name? I'll have to look it up. I always forget. I was going to say Christian Kirk. Maybe that's right, but now I'm thinking it's Christian Kirk C confusing me. And that that would, (laughs) they're, they're like the opposite of people. So probably not. Um, but you're thinking, of, you're thinking of Christian Kirk, though. You're talking about yes. We're, we're talking about the the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Christian Kirk. It is, Sorry, his name is Christian Kirk. So the, the existence of Christian Kirksey always makes me doubt Christian Kirk's actual name. So, but he exists. He he's a exist. real person. He's very good this year. He's had a breakout season, which is you know we always talk about like three years in is when receivers kind of break out, and that is seemingly about correct with him. So um, it's his, it is his fourth year, but the principle still applies. He's been much better this year than ever before. Um, and um, their third receiver is A.J. Green, who I thought was kind of washed, but has actually shown he's got something left in the tank. Um, basically, getting some development and DeAndre Hopkins, another year of chemistry, has made all those short passing start to pay off. So um, they, they do rely on the defense just having to go fast, uh, getting a little tired, covering things all the time, but it's not creative. Um, Cliff Kingsbury does have a creative running game. They do a lot of jet sweeps and handing off to receivers and things of that nature, kind of like the 49ers do, but they're very milquetoast passing. Um, the fact that this is on a Thursday might actually help them in that regard because there's not a lot of complicated stuff to implement, whereas the Packer passing game is very complicated, and they have gotten a little bit milquetoast when they've had short weeks in the past. That's often when Aaron Rodgers has his like 50 snaps from the shotgun kind of games and less motion. But uh, it does hurt the Arizona passing game. They are very much a volume uh, game. They're not an efficiency-based passing game. And uh, they they can be defended by a smart defense and shut down. And it's happened a couple times this year already. This, this team is based mostly on its defense, and their offense is good but not great. Well, I mean, they might not have a choice as, as the Packers, as far as complexity goes, if their top two receivers are not available <laughs> or more. Again, we don't even know the ultimate fallout here. I mean, we think we do, but who knows? Uh, who knows what they're going to they're going to have to throw at the 
you know, they're going to, they're going to have to keep it pretty simple. If, if yep. uh, Malik Taylor and Jawan Winfrey are, are your two top options in the receiving game where, where Devante would have been. Um, and uh, Oh, we got, we've got, we've got a newcomer. Welcome to the party. Can you hear us? What? No, I can't. <laughs> you can hear us. Really? You seriously can't hear us. And I'm Matt, but you can call me. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about you. No. Yeah. I was like, were you? At- we, we were talking about mesh, which is essentially talking about you. Yeah, that's true. I assume <laughs> that's what's summoned to you. Run mesh until you can't. So well, Ari- Arizona Cardinals don't do that. Arizona basically never runs mesh. They um they run quick passes. They run nine on the outside. And uh, that's they run comebacks. And that's kind of it. So they don't run mesh or pre-snap motion. It's one of the weird things about them. That seems kind of dumb. Their passing game is kind of dumb. It's, it's uh, reliant on going as quickly as possible and not a lot of creativity no. <laughs> cliff kings where he sucks he's the new mike mccarthy he, he i so it's funny you say that because i think mike mccarthy is kind of a good comp for him it is very based on receiver execution and just running play after play after play and not much deviation or trickery um so i like i kind of agree with that uh, I, I was thinking it the whole time i was writing up the rundown and reading on my kingsbury notes this is yep. this is very bad for my I'm actually not smart friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean y'all can bash Kingsbury and McCarthy, but they're they're combined twelve and one this they year. Are. So good uh, point. And also <laughs> so, I like I like Matt, I'm a dumb fan as a, a stereotype because every time we every time you're on the podcast, it's a, it's this is the book about football I'm reading this week. <laughs> And, and implementing into my talking points. So Which, by the by, the way, I have a signed copy of "Alive and Kicking" by Chester Mark Hole. Nice on its way. Do you really? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. It was tw- it was twenty six dollars on Amazon. So, so just to uh, I I wrote about Chester Markle today really quick. I know which is why which is why went out to buy. Why bring it? <laughs> Um, and that's because um, uh, we're not quite to Washington yet. Let, let's let's finish Arizona, and then we'll get to Washington, and we'll talk about Chester Markle. Yeah, well, bit. you you talked about their running being weird. So James Conner and Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds particularly, I don't think is a name a lot of Packers fans know, but it sounds like sounds like they might want to get familiar before Thursday night. Yeah, he's real. He, Chase Edmonds is good. He is by next gen stats. Um, uh, I wrote it in the rundown. The fifth best running back in football um, by uh, yards over expected. He's ninth in DVOA. And he's usually kind of a third down back guy, but he has been excellent as a runner, but not as a pass catcher so far this year. He uh, is like at negative 43% in DVOA, one of the worst in the league, which is very unusual for him. But it, it hardly matters because they have a ton of other guys to catch passes, and um, he is doing great work between the tackles so far. And James Conner they added because well, he's not really a typical, he's kind of a power back. He is bigger than Chase Edmonds. He's, he's that kind of guy. But uh, one of the ways that the Cardinals have struggled in the past is by uh, teams running basically dime against them and being helpless against it. Like uh, Mike Patton would have dominated this team by his love of dime, which is crazy to say. Um, but they were completely unable to put out any kind of power running game to to slow down the light boxes they were facing. And Connor has basically been excellent against them. And they, I, I don't know if it was Kingsbury, but their front office was smart enough to realize we need to be able to power run against um, against light boxes. Got a guy to do it, and he's been very good doing so this year. So um, they're they have a, they have a, a way to fight back against their previous kryptonite, and so that's one of the big reasons they're actually seven zero. 
and have been able to fight back against or overcome some of the challenges they had last year being shut down on offense because Cliff is kind of dumb on the passing game. Why do I have this feeling that the Packers are going to actually win this game? Because there's no no indication that they should. I just have <laughs> is is that just stupid optimism or what? But uh, you know, I know that I know the Cardinals haven't played world beaters. I, I mean, I know they're not infallible, but like I I don't know, man. I just I can't shake it. I can't shake it that there's there's a good vibe for the Packers this week. I don't know. The well, Vegas has Arizona by a touchdown. Yes, <laughs> but that dropped because of Devonte and, and I mean yes, but it should it should it should. But if they were only missing Devonte, I think I would be with you on that because the, Matt Lafleur has been at his best and most creative in the games where Adams has not played, uh, where they've realized they need to really scheme guys open, and I think. So Rodgers and Devontae are a great combination. They do great work together. But I do think that when he's out, Rodgers is less likely to just do the check to Devontae thing or the look for Devontae thing and stay within the offense. When he's running LaFleur's plays, they work really well. Um, it's just I don't think they have the horses yeah, to run them. <laughs> when my daughter doesn't take her blankie to daycare, she's more likely to make friends. Exactly. Good. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That is 100% the best comp you've ever provided on yep. this podcast. I love <laughs> Thank it. you very much. So good. Um, I'm, I'm three minutes into the podcast just dropping bombs. <laughs> but it, it is kind of true. It, Rogers plays differently without his security blanket, and it, it sometimes does work better. Um, I also think it has some carryover effects sometime when he's forced to go into offense and sees how well it works. But it, it's just hard to see how it's going to work this time without um, – at least a few talented people to catch those passes. And beyond that, like Malik Taylor is very athletic and, and I think a, a halfway decent prospect, but he's not going to have chemistry. He's not going to know like subtle checks and he hasn't practiced in the first team offense for a while and maybe counted on to do major business there. Uh, uh, my guess is Randall Cobb gets like 50 targets in this game. <laughs> major business. Major business. <laughs> major business. Salute. Um, you you know who does have chemistry in this offense? Who's that? Uh, Jordan Love and Reggie Beagleton. <laughs> <laughs> we did we did mention that this might be a good opportunity to see Jordan Love, maybe even as late as late yeah. first half. Who knows? Yeah, our, our consensus was that they might punt on this game if it gets out of hand pretty quickly. Just save people, get them healthy, re regroup for next week when COVID is passed. So. Mm -hmm. I can't believe we're still doing Thursday football. I, I mean, yeah, they, they really need to inoculate themselves against this game. Hey, oh, <laughs> uh, I actually, I was under the impression Devonte Adams and the entire receiving group was not vaccinated based on some of the signs from training camp. So yep. uh, circumstances must've changed. Uh, so, uh, so that's actually a pleasant surprise, but unfortunately, I think Adams, can't say the was, same. I think Adams was driven by upcoming monetary negotiations and not wanting hmm. to. Yeah. Funny that, right? Um, uh, we should mention one thing that the the Packers will have going for them is that the Cardinals have been insane on fumble luck this year, and also fumble a lot. So, hey, hey, what what are you saying is going to happen to their fumble statistics? It will regress to the mean. Drink, drink. <laughs> So as long as anyone other than Darnell Savage, who inexplicably lost a fumble that he was, wait, that was Savage, right? It was In Savage. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else jump for that football. Let's go guys. <laughs> Sa Savage also dropped a short interception. He also did do that. That is also true. He also broke up a really key pass. So yeah. come yeah, on. So here's the thing. Darnell Savage is a missile 
who doesn't ha- use his hands. He doesn't have hands. <laughs> Dar- Darnell Savage has legs and shoulders. A little like Taylor in him. That is that is true. Uh, <laughs> just to put a number to that, by the way, um, the Cardinals have fumbled 11 times on offense. Or, sorry, 12 times on offense and recovered 11 of them. No way. Six of those are Kyler Murray. And we should say quarterbacks are more likely to get their fumbles back than other players are because those are often snaps. Snaps. And in this case, three of them are snaps. Um, their center has a tendency to snap it into his own butt. Um, <laughs> but but six of them are not, and they've still recovered most of those. And on defense, <laughs> yeah, on defense they've forced 12 fumbles. And have recovered eight, which is still insane. Yeah. So um, they have huge fumble luck that will probably regress to the mean. And I did also really quick want to mention before we go to Washington that that pace that they run at, they, they run at a fast pace, it comes at a big cost. They uh, led the league in false start penalties last season and lead the league in false start penalties this season. And um, they they always seem very jumpy when they're trying to get those plays off quickly, quickly, quickly. Uh, their center in particular, who snaps into his own butt, um, also <laughs> led the league for offensive linemen in, off- in uh, false starts last year and is uh, high again this year. So. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So there is a path. There's a path. Fumbles and false starts. and um, yeah, Great play by the defense. Great play by the defense. Which we got against Washington. Yeah, we, we did. did. You know, it helps when the quarterback goes down on the one inexplicably, but still. <laughs> so, uh, by, by, uh, I, I got to use an ancient, ancient meme during this game, and I was very happy about it. Um, Peter Bukowski tweeted randomly during the game, said that if, if Taylor is giving the Packers this much of a fit, I can't imagine what it's going to look like playing against Kyler. And I, I uh, was like, "Oh yeah, just me sitting and enjoying this game." And then Peter with alpaca out of freaking nowhere. <laughs> I did see that. I do not. Know, I do not know where that's from. Oh, it's it's like a. I'm talking like it's 2002, oh, 2003. Did they even have meme? memes in 2002? Ooh. They they did. They were they, they were on these. They were on these horrible places called internet forums. Oh yeah. Okay. That's like Listen, badger, no. badger badger time. Like <laughs> mushroom mushroom. <Yep. laughs> I think, and I could be wrong. I think Heineke played a great game. Uh, I mean, he seemed uh, to really he he <laughs> hit he he threw he got desperate late and things got inaccurate. But he read the defense well enough to know when to run up the middle. He hit his receivers in pretty tough places. I, I think I think Heineke is a top ten backup. So well, that might be. But he was very good running the ball. Uh, he did a lot of damage when he had to scramble. But he has a bad arm, and it cost I him. Think he- Several but times. He reminds me. He reminds me of Joe Callahan, except actually fast. Right. So, but but they're not trying to throw missiles down the field. You know, he's hitting he's hitting short short routes over the middle. That's effective. Yeah. Right, but he, he was he was also like throwing hospital balls and missing wide did, open receivers. He did throw a couple hospital balls. That is true. But he, he threw almost a couple got, that only his receivers could catch. He too, did. And they did. He almost got Terry McLaurin killed a couple times. And he did multiple I, times. I think. Look, if but Terry McLaurin should have caught a ball that would have been a touchdown and instead knocked it off his noggin. Yeah, which I'm a that, that is a good point, actually. <laughs> off the face. <laughs> so, oh man, all I had to hear all week was. 
Washington fans talking about how Terry McLaurin was just as good as Devontae Adams. Terry McLaurin's really good, and uh, if he ended up being as good as Devontae Adams, I wouldn't be that surprised. He uh, just I have 10 years of QBOPs for college players, and Terry McLaurin has the highest QBOPs of all time um, coming out of college. And he's played hey, with... Do you, want, do you want to talk about who the Packers drafted instead of Terry McLaurin? Yeah, let, just go ahead. <laughs> Jace Sternberger. Jace Sternberger. Yeah, Jace Sternberger was taking one pick ahead of Terry McLaurin. Ahead of Terry McLaurin. Uh, Terry McLaurin has basically three 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, He will after this season uh, with the worst quarterbacks ever. Like Dwayne Haskins for a a year, getting 1,000 yards in that is amazing. And we saw it this game. Like Terry McLaurin was – he caught a bunch of murder balls. Um, He had to fight for all of them and did a great job doing it. Uh, He he was – he had 12 targets because he's the only good player on the team. He had seven catches and 122 yards. That's phenomenal from from him. He's great. Uh, and Tyler Hernicky had 95 yards rushing, which is stupid because he's not really that kind of quarterback. But uh, I think my, the prototypical Taylor Hernicky was actually the Chandon interception where um, he tried to fit it into a window that didn't exist and Chandon played better coverage than he's yeah. ever played in his life. And uh, it just hit him right in the chest <laughs> yeah that's and that's the later part of the game where i think things had to dial up a yep. little bit for washington they, they needed to score kind of quickly and that yes that was a bad pass for sure and great play by chandon sullivan but, yeah i was gonna say did you guys mention chandon talking about that play specifically um we didn't mention it but it's a good story Back. yeah so he said that he he got beat on an out and up in practice and was looking for that concept yep and and that's exactly what he saw i love it when the, guys learn in practice it's my favorite it's, <laughs> It's pretty good, but also the throw was behind. So, like, <laughs> you know, you said, Paul, that you feel like the Packers were a little lucky to win this game, and I, I, I do agree with you. I, I feel like, you know, there's there's the block kick, for example, the the Mason Crosby block kick. You know, there was the punt that was almost blocked that could have been oh. a, a disaster. There's the stupidity of the rule that <laughs> identifies Terry, Mc, not Terry McLaurin, but Taylor Henneke as as giving himself up on the one yard line, fascinating stupidity. And yep. then probably you could have even ruled the fourth down play a touchdown. I mean, it's less, you know, less obvious, of course, but like his knee was down. So, I mean, I mean, I don't think there's any evidence of anything on that play. Like you there's could, no way to know. You couldn't overturn it, but he was, no, on, he was on people and he fumbled when his knee was on the ground. And it's all this, this microscopic timing on, on yeah. the fumble play. But uh, also, by the way, five minutes into the future and definitively it wouldn't matter if his knee was on the ground or not. Because well, you are not allowed to advance your own fumble in the fourth quarter. Okay. But if it's if it's if it's ruled to be fumbled over into the end zone, you can self-recover your fumble. Yeah, which is weird. That is weird. It's a weird rule. <laughs> it's I, I, Aaron, it's, a, it's all nonsense. The yep. Aaron Rodgers rule. Aside from that, from it, Aaron, it did it did make me happy to. Um, I got to explain to my whole section the the uh, quarterback giving themselves up rule, and it, it it screwed Aaron at least once before. I don't remember what game it was, but I do remember Aaron Rodgers not getting a first down or a touchdown because of the forward dive. And uh, once they went to replay, everybody in the stands was like, well, "Why are they replaying it? He wasn't touched. What is what? 
this is stupid. Like, it is stupid, but here's the rule. <laughs> it's egregious. It's terrible. In a yeah. game where it's not the, 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 such a massive difference between football and baseball or even basketball, where things are much more straightforward, there's chaos on a football field. Yeah. No two plays are the same. And within that scenario, you have to introduce a greater volume of common sense. Not Absolutely. everything can be explained by the letter of the law rule book. It makes no freaking sense that a, that a quarterback, could, hey, all the rules are designed to save the quarterbacks anyway. Well, he's looking out for number one and he's not looking to take a hit after he crosses the plane totally understandable and fair there's no way that shouldn't have been a touchdown (laughs) absolutely not so it was actually just last year it happened Aaron was it okay october 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 2020 it looks like it was mid-october there's a bunch of people complaining about it on forums i can't find the exact play all right but it did happen which is why i remembered it happening and it's uh, it's always been a stupid rule it was then too and it was here, but but I think the point is this: Washington played well enough to score a touchdown on that drive that they were eventually denied, and that would have made the game a lot different had it, had it, had that happened. Like the Packers, it was dom- his. It was sorry, it was his Key and Peel celebration touchdown. Do you remember the, the when Ingo McCringleberry? Yeah, oh, it was. It against, was. Against That's that was right. That was overturned. They did score, which is why it's not etched into our brains. Yeah, but like yes, that was. It was turned the, away. literally he he dove on the one yard line. His knee touched down. Yep, it was the Ingo McCringleberry one. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, there's another play, you know, we've talked about some times when Eric Stokes, for example, earlier this year, got a pass interference penalty. That was kind of garbage. A- Adrian Amos made a play in the end zone that was not ruled pass interference. It was, it, it was, could have very easily gone either way. I'm not saying it was, but it was, it was bang, bang. It, Adrian Amos might've gotten there a little early. Washington doesn't score on that drive either. Yeah, so there's true. another play that could have easily gone a different direction. I'm a, I'm a big fan of all the Washington fans who have been in my mentions about the phantom, no call on that play. And I'm over on here. Amos? Like, yeah. Like the fact oh, that there on. wasn't a call on Amos and I'm over here. Like, did you guys see the play that you got one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that should have been PI. It shouldn't have been. I'm, but like, it's, it's more like refs just, would call that. There, there were ways that the Packers could have been down in this game very easily with just a few little flips of the coin, and uh, it, it's it's a continuation of a a thing in Packer games where they dominate like per, on EPA per play on all efficiency stats. They they they're just up by a ton, but they don't win the game by that much. Partially because of pace, partially because of just weirdness on special teams or some other reason. And it'd be nice to see them just totally blow somebody out at some point. Um, this was not that close. Uh, Washington scored late to make this score more respectable, and it wasn't really a, ever that close. But th- there were a few little tiny things that could have gone differently in this game that would have made it a much more contentious game than it ended up being. Yeah, it really it should have been like Tampa versus the Bears. Yeah, exactly. Like, they should have blown the doors off them. Yeah. Special teams uh, played better in coverage, which was huge. Mason had a weird day. Like he has the block and then one, <laughs> one extra point that kisses off the post and another that just barely goes in on the other side. But you know, it's a clean other than the block. It's a clean day otherwise, but, uh, but the coverage was better. And that was, thank God, because this is not a game where they could have afforded a special teams meltdown. And, and, and you could tell Washington recognizes what Green Bay brings to the table. Cause they're three yards deep into the end zone. Taking bringing it out, it out. every bringing it single out. time. And ne- the Packers rose to that challenge. Never made the 25. I was paying very special attention to that in the stands. And it was very good to see that they had good coverage on those and never let them get to the 25. It was- oh, man. Did I, I'm sorry. Did I miss the lines are too long and there's too many people rant? Uh, yeah. Yes. No. At the very beginning. Yes. Oh yeah. You did. Sorry. Your, your entrance into the game. Sorry, yeah. man. 
So <laughs> the lines were too long and it took me forever and I didn't see a bunch. So, yes, that is correct. Yes, by the, by the way, for for those who like like are not privy to the Acme Packing Company Slack, Paul was upset like with how many people there were. Like, I, I took a, I took a picture of it. This is not a visible medium, but uh <laughs> it was for, it, it was very long. For like 45 minutes he was in the Slack chat like too many goddamn. <laughs> um we should Go ahead. It's not my first rodeo. I know how long it takes to get through the gates most of the time, and this was at least twice as long as normal. So, we uh, we're, since we spent so much time on Arizona, we kind of have to fly through here to get to some of these questions before things get too long. But uh, there is there are some bullet points we should still hit. Like we should. Eric Stokes really sucking on the first drive, but then yep. being pretty good the rest of the way. Robert Tunyon having a great day. Um, Mercedes Lewis being a beast. I love Mercedes <laughs> catches. They're so good. Um, he just plows people over and Aaron... so, oh, something ahead. you missed Paul. On yeah. the, so the, we had Greg Olson on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, and it was, was also really good. Yeah, he was good. Uh, and it was national tight end day and there was a play where Mercedes caught a pass and had like seven defenders on him and they still didn't get him down. They just rolled forward progress. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. Greg Olson was like cream in his jeans. He was like, they bring everybody, and they still can't bring it out. He's mad at everybody. That's great. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Greg Greg Olson and Mercedes are contemporaries. I, I don't know that off the top of my head, but I feel like they probably like they were drafted at the same time. They definitely played for most of the same amount of time, for sure. 100%. Yeah, that guy. See, Mar- Mercedes, Lewis, Mercedes Lewis was drafted in 1927. <laughs> 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 Yeah, uh, Tanyan cooks a guy, cooks the linebacker, and gets his, his first touchdown. No, no, it's first. Is it his first this year? No, second, second, so, second. This by year. the by the way, this is this is a fun thing. So Greg Olson, who is retired and in the booth and doing well in the booth, was drafted two years after Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Every uh, every throw is a uh, a completion to a first round draft pick. Just remember that <laughs> in a different <laughs> in a different decade, but it is a first round draft pick. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, also, Alan Lazard with a great block. RIP should have gotten a shot while you were getting making blocks. But still, that's uh, another another great day for him. And then he has making the drive. blocks and getting shots. And then he has the drive that is singularly belonging to him. The Allen know? drive. Yes. To celebrate was, his going on the COVID si- list. 60 yards and a touchdown. Yep. Uh, and before we get away from this, what do you think, Paul? Is there anything to explain the, the running game malaise? Obviously, AJ Dillon letting the ball fall to the ground is not ideal, but just in general, I, it, it's got to be blocking to some degree. They can't, they cannot, they they simply cannot get a foothold on on the ground. No, and Washington's really good against the run, especially compared to how they are against the pass. So it was definitely game plan to not run the ball that much. Jones just had six carries, but he was in on a ton of passing downs. He got five targets, and a, he was running routes consistently. And uh, part of this game was just game plan. And it was um, not run the ball in any important scenarios. And uh, they ran a little bit early and then they stopped and they tried to have A.J. Dillon grind out. By the way, I have a beef with A.J. Dillon, not to delay us getting to questions, but um, that fumble occurred on a first down carry with the clock running with six minutes left in the game. And uh, I think there was a good chance that they were going to run out, maybe not the whole game, but like four of those last six minutes. And that fumble like added like a half hour to the game, and uh, uh, I was uh, you know I was looking at maybe getting home at a decent hour. My roof leaked. Um, you that took night. so long to get in, but you're in yeah. a hurry to leave. Yeah. What are you? Listen, a- listen here, AJ Dillon. Not Paul a, had things to do. Not in a hurry to leave, but it's not like, you, like I don't leave Packer games early, and it's not like it was a 
a very compelling end of the game after they had a, a two-score lead. And I was like, all right, I'm going to grind this out, going to see some good running, and then put it on the ground for the second time that day. And just then it was a slog of Washington doing checkdowns and timeouts. <laughs> also, and, that <laughs> fumble wasn't even like a good fumble. Like, it wasn't. Just, his, his tackler just squeezed him, and the ball came out. Uh, also, I love how Washington sets up then for potentially a final Hail Mary. You know, they convert on uh, fourth and long with a Heineke run. And yeah. they, they take, they get one last shot and they just like, what do they do? They just, Heineke just kind of like jogs up the middle. <laughs> what was that? Just a, a Ben Roethlisberger give up play when it's all on the line. It's ridiculous. So weird. Stupid. Uh, and before we move on to questions, we should mention why you mentioned Chester Markle earlier. Which is, we saw a very rare thing happen in this game. We saw uh, opponents block field goals. Um, and uh, I wrote a big piece on this for Acme Packing Company today because uh, in the NFL, this is a very rare thing for opponents to block field goals in a game. And uh, for the Packers, it's especially rare. They haven't done it since 1986, uh, the last time that the Packers had a block in the same game as their opponent having a block. That was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I did not. I could not find the actual home stadium, but I'm 99% sure this was at County Stadium, and I was at it. Um, it was um, Al Del Greco kicking for the Packers, and why did we ever let Al Del Greco go? Um, and the very somewhat famous Donald Igwe Bikwe kicking for the Buccaneers. Um, somewhat fa- famous. Well, somewhat famous. Uh, he was in the NFC Central slash North for his almost entire career with the Vikings and the Buccaneers, and he was once federally indicted as part of a heroin trafficking scheme, uh, a charge on which he was eventually acquitted and was not actually a part of. So, uh, And also a barefoot kicker, which we always should applaud barefoot kickers. So, uh, Love Donald Igwe Bikwe. Barefoot kickers are addressed in Stefan Fatsis. A few seconds are. of panic. Uh, anyway, we mentioned Chester Markle because um, Chester Markle, uh, prior to 1986, the last time it happened with the Packers before that, was 1972. When Chester Markle uh, against the Saints uh, had a, had a kick blocked, um, and the Saints kicker Happy Feller, which is his actual name, <laughs> that is not a name, had a kick blocked <laughs> as well. So Happy Feller and Chester Markle both had kick blocked. Uh, Markle had a lot of kicks blocked uh, that season. He had six kicks blocked. So um, <laughs> not great. Wasn't wasn't Chester Markle like five foot seven? I and... urge everybody to go look at Chester Markle's picture on Pro Football Reference. Because he looks like Smalls from the Sandlot. He, uh, he, he, yeah. he has giant nerd glasses. He looks like your grandpa. He, uh... Well, I mean, everyone needs to go watch his game-winning touchdown against the Bears. Oh, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's not the guy you think of to A, score a game-winning touchdown, or B, have, uh, like <laughs> co- come up with a substance abuse problem. Like He doesn't fit any of the molds. Not any stereotype. No, he barely looks like a football player, and all of the <laughs> but I mean, all of the football <laughs> player shenanigans he ended up getting up to and um, uh, all the actual football plays he made are incredible. If you go look oh, at what he, he looks like. He was taken 34th overall. <laughs> Different time. Different Wait, time. People, people we didn't have a combine on... then. We didn't have a combine yeah. then. But like people crap on the Roberto Aguayo pick, but like Chester Markle, well, was as they should. <laughs> but Chester right. Markle was—I mean, he was an All-Pro as a, as a rookie. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to questions. We're going to start with Patreon subscribers, of course. Uh, question priority here on reporting is eligible, and we'll start with Jay Google. Of course, does does Thursday games hinge on the front four getting, or does Thursday's game hinge on the front four getting pressure on Murray and not? 
having to bring extra pressure and leave the defense on an island with more Kirk or Hopkins. The Thursday game, uh, not only does it have to do with getting pressure, but it also has to do with Rashawn Gary not giving up the goddamn edge. That's a huge part of it because Kyler Murray is a huge rushing threat. If you do that, um, this is uh, we basically imagine what you just saw Taylor Henneke do, getting 91 yards rushing, and now make him way faster. And that is what you're looking at in this game. So that is a huge part of it, yes. Um, but it, it's going to come down to health mostly and uh, and tackling. The thing about Arizona is almost all the plays happen in front of you. Uh, they, they don't go deep too often. And if you tackle well in front of you, you'll be okay. Um, Eric Stokes, is he's been pretty good so far. It's not his forte. If Kevin King plays opposite him, it's not his forte. It might actually be a good game to have Russell Douglas playing one more time. He actually is a better tackler than either of them and would help. But it's uh, it's a tall order. It's really about just keeping the play in front of you and making sure tackles, basically imitating Tampa Bay for a game. And uh, not super optimistic about that happening. How about Razul Douglas, the highest graded Def- uh, cornerback was it was a defender overall for the Packers in that game according to PFF I believe it was defender overall and he had a really that good seems game. a little silly but that's that's awesome yep. uh, if, and he, I mean you didn't hear his name called too much Stokes actually gave up a lot of the big plays and um, Douglas was a good tackler got got his bell rung once during the game too um, and uh, but made all the plays he was supposed to and really did shut down his man he had a really good game yeah, I feel like everybody on defense made at least one play. You know, there was a Lowry play and a Kiki play, and <laughs> Kenny play. Clark is in on every play, oh. and and Stokes had a kudos moment. To and Dean, kudos to Dean Lowry for not letting that ball hit the ground. It, it was ruled a fumble yeah. eventually, so, but oh, uh, okay. it could have very easily been not a fumble. So I was going to ask because I I remember him. People were saying like, oh, he should protest that that was actually a, a forward motion, not a fumble. Eh, it, it doesn't was, matter. He'll remember yeah, it. It was close, but no. Big guy with the football. Love, exactly. love to see it. Jason Dollinger says, Paul, were you the coolest guy in your section wearing your Lazard jersey when he was making all those plays on that drive when he took over? How else was your game day experience attending the only new Lambo <laughs> game of 2021? I feel like we are due for a big win in Arizona. Too many heartbreaking losses in the playoffs there. The football gods owe us this one. <laughs> I was the coolest guy in my section, but now I think I have to retire my Lazard jersey. <laughs> Um, My understanding is though that you were explaining the uh, the Heineke play. Though. Yeah, just just for the Keep record, up. I like I am an annoying person to see a football game. Absolutely with. true. Yeah. Um, I will I will cop to this. It's definitely true. Um, I, I I have two modes. Like I had, I had a friend there who hadn't been before, and I do enjoy like showing off. Like oh, here's Green Bay, here's Krolls, here's all the cool stuff in the stadium, here's the Atrium Pro Shop, all that stuff. But when rules stuff comes up, and rules stuff came up a lot in this game, I'm insufferable and I can't help it. So. Um, like uh, on the on the Heineke down at the one, I was like explaining very loudly to a bunch of people. Here's why it's not going to be a touchdown. Like, um, if uh, <laughs> Paul reveals a dry erase board that he has brought with yeah, him, and he's I, like writing. I don't like the wave. I, I don't like the I, wave in crucial situations. And I've told this before, but I went to a, a Steelers Packers game with Andy Schaff once, and I actually stopped a wave. And I think he thinks I'm a psychopath for doing so. <laughs> And he's right, which is fine, but I, I did do that. So, um, but yeah, I'm I, I I talk the whole time about what's going on, and it's probably see. I annoying. just now I want to go back in time and I want to get like six beers deep, Paul, at the Tuck Rule game. Oh, oh yeah, God. <laughs> I don't this even is... know. I I'm nope. I'm not doing it. Nope. 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 Need more beer for that. <laughs> I have lots of opinions about the Tuck Rule even at the time. So no. I'm not. <laughs> 
it's like me watching movies. I have a hard time not talking through them and, and specifically criticizing what I consider to be bad, especially when you know my wife watches her Netflix shows and I can't keep my mouth shut. And inevitably she actually gets irritated with me. Yep. But I just, I, it's like, I can't help it. There's, the acting is so bad. I have to point it out because I'm a bad person. I, I do um, wish Lambo much had, like you. I wish Lambo had better food. Um, it is very wriggly in its food. It is clearly, L- Lambo is its own thing. It doesn't need good food at all. It doesn't, you know, it is a beautiful old timey legendary park and it doesn't need to do all these other things to attract people. But it, it'd be nice if they upped their game a little bit on the food side. It's not great. Speaking of food, Stephen Kurtz asks about Buffalo, which makes me think of ah. wings. How is Buffalo's punting game this year? Why did they get rid of Bajorquez? I heard it was about money, but how much could a good punter cost? I don't think the Bills are in cap hell right now. Is he a bad holder? Uh, maybe. Maybe he's a bad holder, but I don't think he's the problem holding the ball. Um, well, Bajorquez had a down year. That's like He had a down year, it. but I mean, he didn't. Uh, you should. Maybe the Bills front office is dumb, but you shouldn't judge a punter on one year. You should judge him on the previous. Did he have a down year? I thought he was aces in 2020. Uh, Yeah, did he? I don't think he was that bad. I thought 2019 was his bad. 2019 was his great year, but I think he was still okay in in 2020. And um, he led the league in average in 2020, 50.8, which is not the end all be all. But like, he's there. That's great. That is great. Thank you for looking it up. Um, And. Uh, he's not that expensive. He was a free agent to be, but he's a punter and he's not paid that much by the Packers. So I don't, I think what they really wanted was their current punter, who is also a free agent, which is Matt, Matt Hawk, uh, previously of Miami, but he's not having a good year since you asked the question. Um, he currently ranks, I, you know what? Um, whatever side I'm on doesn't tell you the rank on the left side, but he averages 44.9 yards per punt, which is like 20th, just eyeballing it. <laughs> That's not the first page of the stats on NFL.com. It only goes to 45.6, and that's like 25 guys, so that's bad. Yeah, it's not great, and his net's a little better, but I don't care about net average because other people make your net average by coverage and by other stuff. Um, so he's not doing well. Buffalo has definitely gotten worse at punting via this move. So the Packers are reaping the benefits here. We should also point out, Bajorquez is only 15th this year in average punt. Uh, so I, I think I think there might be a little bit of an effect where the last guy was so bad. So you're kind of seeing the improvements. Uh, but... I thought you were about to say that Corey Bajorquez is only 15. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is no. worth noting he's part That's of... J.K. Scott. Bajorquez is also part of a really large group around 47 um, yes. and really percentage points from being in like the top eight or so. Um, there's a couple like Andy Lee, Jack Fox and AJ Cole at the top are dominating the heck out of this thing. And then there's kind of a big slog and he's in that. Um, but Matt Hawk is noticeably worse than all of them. So this has definitely worked out well. Also, this list is 15th, but there's also Braden Mann at the top who's punted uh, once. There's three guys on that list I have ex- that have punted single digits, so maybe he's more like 12. I have excluded this, so I was just counting, and I have yes. him. One, two, three, four. Six, also, fun eight. fact, I have Corey Borges has been in 47 games. Ooh. Fun fact. That is a fun Kind of fact. a fun fact. So, so uh, maybe his maybe his net punting will climb with his games, and then eventually he'll <laughs> you be think, You think it'll just keep going up, games. like it'll become 48 with 40? Okay, got it. He'll, he'll, he'll punt 160 yards. Got it. PJ Vessels asks, is there much to take away from Thursday's game if they win or if they lose? <laughs> better, better way to ask it is like, what will we try to take away from this game? It's going to be, it's going to be awful. Yeah, not much. Um, if they get, if they try and get killed, 
then I think you can take away a little bit. Um, but I mean, the Packers are going to be so undermanned that I would just throw this one in the dumpster. Thursday games are, I don't think, indicative of anything. It, it, you don't have your normal prep time. Um, people get hurt much more often. It's usually a vanilla game plan on both sides. It, um, even normal Thursday games are barely relevant, and this one is going to be especially not relevant. I like your win, old though. Simpsons quote. What's what that? Quote? Paul's almost Simpsons quote. Which was? Went Homer talking to Lisa and said, you tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson here is never, never try. try. <laughs> uh, well, they may decide that depending on how the first half they goes. May. But, uh, but if they win, now it's, I mean, there's nothing really to take away other than destiny maybe i don't know <laughs> i destiny you, you can go for motivation uh you can take away health that's a good thing to take away uh, if they're yes. healthy that's good but we'll see I don't speaking know. of did you guys see kyler murray like get absolutely just slobber knocked all week like on sunday he was getting hit a lot he is taking yeah he, he also got tackled by his neck yeah he did someone, someone grabbed his helmet and twisted his neck and he like just got up He's had to come out a couple times this year. He uh, he does not evade sacks very well. That's pretty common with mobile quarterbacks when you just, you know, it, it's like the shortstop who gets to all the balls. It's like, well, you think you can keep the play alive forever, but eventually you run out of time. And he does fall victim to that sometimes, although Aaron also falls victim to that sometimes. Mm, yes, baseball reference. Mm. <laughs> Jeffrey Carroll, uh, this is something we've talked about. Bring on the eight-man NFL league. They should treat this as, in all seriousness. They should treat this as a mini buy. Sit Rogers, anyone else of importance, and then we can see how the offense looks to get us prepared for the next year's viewing. Although Rogers almost won with a worse wide receiving core with Abby, with Everdaris, <laughs> Janice, etc. So let's get nuts. You're right. They did. It's not impossible. And whenever you have Aaron, there's always a chance. It's just this is a tall order. It, it feel better. I feel like older Arizona games they've always played Arizona with a less than great defense this defense is really good it's going to be tough for them uh, also uh, Michael asking a similar question should they punt on this game <laughs> or is it be, because obviously it's a smaller sample size of games in the NFL you know is the season too short to prevent that you know to to be willing to do something like that yeah. I don't think it's 17 games it is I, I think it is it, it, it does look you do want to get the one seed you absolutely do I would I would contend that that is a bit of a long shot with the way the Packers have played and what they have left on yeah. their schedule it's far more important to have David Bakhtiari available to you in the postseason and you know again the last time they won the Super Bowl they were the sixth seed like that just it just happens that way teams well, the teams last time they won the Super Bowl they ended the season with the 16 starters on yeah yeah it's why a lot of people have compared that year to this year i would i would argue that the player that they the type of player they lost that year is not quite to the level of like a jair alexander right to darius smith certainly Devontae adams like they didn't they, they did lose some key ish players but not spots where they were short on depth or anything yeah um totally true and uh, they can't punt outright but i'll, I'll say this the, the change to only having one team get a buy makes punting kind of more attractive than in the past when you have two spots open for a buy there's more teams that can get the buy and when there's only one i mean it's pretty often in the nfl that there's one or two runaway teams and everybody else is sort of in the next group down and i think you kind of have that this year like the packers are in good shape at six and one but their schedule is brutal and it's going to be very difficult to catch the buccaneers with like the easiest schedule of all time and Arizona, who's got a game lead on them and also plays a pretty easy schedule when, all, when it's all said and done. So um, I wouldn't blame them for punting on this or at least pulling pulling the uh, the plug if it gets out of hand at all. Yeah. 
All right, so moving to Twitter questions, Jonathan Deal. <laughs> Having the best red zone defense for a week is nice. Was it a schematic <laughs> change, playing one of the league's worst offenses, or just pure old good regression to the mean? Yes. Yeah, all of those. But it's mostly regression to the mean. I mean, when they were they were in the bad streak, a lot of penalties involved there. They got on this good streak with ridiculousness from Taylor Henneke going down a little too early. Uh, and, and also a legitimately good play by Chandon Sullivan to get an end zone interception. So, I mean, there was some good defense mixed in there. But um, Washington's a bad defense. Um, the, I think, luck just went back to what it should be, plus the Henneke play. <laughs> and uh, th- this is, I would say, more representative of what they're likely to be going forward. So, yeah, all of it. Terry McLaurin, take, McLaurin taking a ball off his helmet. Weird, <laughs> weird stuff happened in that game. Um, from Mad Max, should I buy a ticket to see Dune or James Bond on Thursday night instead of watching this? Um, I do understand you have to see Dune in the theater, so um, maybe. I know I know JR kind of disagrees with that whole sentiment, but I was uh, <laughs> I was told that Dune perfectly recreates uh, the experience of reading Dune for most people because no one actually finishes it. Oh, wow. Harsh. And it it is just one half of the book, apparently. One half of the story. It is one half of the story. And and people are like, please go see Dune because they're not going to finish the story if you don't see Dune. (laughs) Um, Can I, for a moment, just, just, I've I've shared this argument with Paul, but uh, first of all, I saw Dune. I I know nothing about the source material. I never saw the the David Lynch movie. I never read the book. I I really loved it. I watched it on HBO Max, like a normal human being who lives in the Midwest and has children and can't just like (laughs) steal away for three hours to go check out at a theater. And, and I see, I hear a lot of people say what what you were saying. You have to see it in theaters. And uh, I, I respect that. I understand that it is a beautiful movie. It is not like it is lost on you when you watch it on a tablet or a TV, that it is a beautiful movie. It is gorgeous. And you can see cinematography on your small screen. You can see it. I know it's not as good. It's not, it sucks. And yes, I'm watching it in four or five installments over three nights. And that's not how the, how the <laughs> artist intended it. But like a, first of all, COVID is still a thing. Yeah. B, it's hard it's expensive and hard to get to a theater when you have you know kids and see like the, i'm not going to turn down the easy option to go for the hard one that is foolish that is not something normal human beings need to do art art changed like we got had a pandemic the streaming services became you know prevalent art art changed and i'm sorry that the artist isn't going to be super happy with how i viewed it but like it's a dope movie i loved it i really really enjoyed it i'm going to watch it again and i'm going to watch it on my tablet and uh, it is okay to not see a movie in theaters it is still perfectly fine i'm gonna watch it on this so who who wins in a fight six beers deep rules paul or jr it's okay to watch a movie at home <laughs> you know i mean it's i listen to a lot of movie podcasts and those people understandably are very you know they they're they prefer the sanctity of the theater and i respect that completely i love going to the theater i go to the theater every chance i get especially during oscar season yeah but like i live in the midwest not every movie's available first of all that is available <laughs> on streaming services and i love why i watched i watched dunkirk on a computer screen and it was riveting the freaking gorgeous movie i can appreciate that even though it's on a smaller screen I, yeah it's just it's possible for me to do that so i spend 50 percent of my time in quite literally the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. the closest movie theater is 35 miles away Oof. that's a hike baby i'm going to watch a movie on my goddamn laptop <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are. Uh, watch Dune. Dune. Dune's a dope movie. I loved it. Yeah. I would, I would definitely choose that over the Packer game if I, if I cared deeply about Dune. The Dune story is really good, and I'm glad that there is a new movie of it. Like 
the David Lynch movie has a few things working for it, but uh, just as a rule, don't get David Lynch to make things that aren't <laughs> created by David Lynch. It's not a good idea. And even David Lynch hates the Dune movie that he made. So totally that's, disavowed it. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. It's just... David Lynch makes weird dream nonsense, and it's really good weird dream nonsense, but you don't want him to have narrative. It's just not his ballpark. So I'm glad somebody else is doing this with the proper vision. Dune is a good book and a good story, and yeah, uh, I would I would lean towards that. I have not seen the Bond movie or heard the Bond, uh, you know, heard much about it, but it's a Bond movie, and they're all the same. So put that one off <laughs> till later. I yeah. I disagree with Dune because it's about white people looking for spice. Which is not the thing. Yeah, it's about it's about mobs um, working <laughs> to control the drug trade more than anything else. Is is a joke? I it's know. about it's about the white savior though. That's uh, that's a fair critique. Yeah, I it think is. Uh, white people looking for spice. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also an incredible flex. There's there's got uh, Javier Bardem is in the movie for like five seconds, uh, for, you know, a couple minutes. Zendaya is in the in all the promos, but she's in there for like ten minutes, like. There are so many phenomenal actors in this movie that just show up and leave, and it's it's crazy. They, the, <laughs> it's I a crazy. Saw, I once saw an edited movie poster for, uh, um, what the hell was it? Was it the Rundown or like, it's like a about a diamond mind and like Christopher Walken just shows up halfway through the movie. Yeah, I think and, that is the, the Rundown. Yeah, yeah, the Rundown, and the, and the movie poster said the Rundown. Holy shit, Christopher Walken is in this. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. great. All right. Yeah. All right. Back to questions. Brad Ford, who is, of course, baseball, uh, baseball savvy. Who is your 2022 20, starting first baseman? Prince Fielder. It's Rowdy. It's Elton rowdy. Jenkins. It's rowdy. rowdy. The answer is labor trouble. Do you, do yeah, you think the, the answer Jenkins, is there isn't one. <laughs> do, you, do you think do you think Elton Jenkins could play first base? No, no, I don't. Because I think Mercedes Lewis could, though, because you can't because people who don't play baseball can't play baseball. That's the answer. But Prince Fielder played first base. Yeah, he played baseball. His dad played he, baseball too. He, Prince Fielder played hit the ball. He was a uniquely talented hitter. Oh, are you are you asking specifically if he could play the position defensively? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. It's not yeah. that hard, despite what yeah. Moneyball says. <laughs> yeah, he could play. The, the, <laughs> we can't go. Hard. We can't go two weeks without you mentioning how bad Moneyball is. And any professional athlete could play first base in baseball with a very very small amount of training. Yes, I fully understand that hitting a baseball is considered one of the most difficult things to do in all okay. professional sports. Like, Good. I get it. I'm I'm talking about playing the position of first base. Okay, I'm yeah, talking it's, about play ball. it's really not hard to play the position of first base. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, that's it. We're guys. done. Unless you've got Discord no, questions, there's, I... there's a there's a picture of uh, someone with an ESB jersey, and then someone responding with with a Y GIF. Yes. <laughs> oh, the I old, know, wait, I, wait, I wait! Know how to read that? Sorry, the, it, what do we like? So, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, six targets, seventy-five yards, one touchdown. Do you I will take do you like the, the under over or the, the under for this game? I will take. I'll take the under, under, under. <laughs> That's from PJ's Corey. Yeah, under. Mm-hmm. I'll take the under think, as well. You're I ridiculous. ESB is going to catch one for six yards, and then he's going to miss a target for like twenty-five. He will in one time. He will catch a 40-yard uh, bomb on the outside where his foot is out of bounds by three millimeters, <laughs> and that is the Equinemius St. Brown experience in a nutshell. Hey, that ball that he caught, that was not his fault that that ball was so far out of it's bounds. It's never he actually his made fault. a good play. That's he the made thing. a good play on it. 
it's never his fault. The game before that, he had the out-of-bounds on the touchdown OPI play. Um, again, none of those were his fault. It just doesn't matter. He's a lightning rod for bad calls and bad throws. And, hey, and, he had a great game on special teams, so maybe he delivers yeah. something similar again. Yes, and Laura asked why, and the answer is because some people just don't get vaccinated because they're weird and dumb. So, Yeah can't believe there are still guys in the nfl that aren't vaccinated I when know. the penalty is so stiff especially if you, uh... like alan lazard's an important part of the team but he's not that important a part of the team right <laughs> there's guys chasing you alan like malik taylor plays good and all of a sudden malik taylor is alan lazard so you can't be doing that like yeah come on well especially because Devonte could be back literally it is still within the realm of possibility yeah, that he plays he might on play. thursday he won't he won't but like it's possible yeah. it, you know lazard he's got mandatory out five days like yep. He'll, he'll probably be able to make it for the next game because of the extra break, but it's, you know, there's there's a lot more protocol you got to jump through. That's right. All right, we're done. Um, before we go, first of all, before I get to plugs, uh, a reminder, I'm giving away shirts and various swag. I've got our, uh, I've got reporting as eligible shirts. I've got a reporting as eligible hoodie, and I've got an, a couple of I Own You shirts that Acme Packing Company has made proceeds of which go to uh, charity to support uh, math and stem and engineering um so i've got five things i'm going to give away to patreons at the five dollar level which is the ball and glove level if you go over there to patreon.com slash mke tailgates and sign up before um the first but you get basically got to be a patreon early november so uh, if you get in before uh november 5th uh, then we will do a drawing and i'll send out shirts to people so uh, and enjoy that. And now we will do plugs. JR, anything good at the Journal Sentinel? I mean, I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm in a writing drought here. The Brewer season ends. You know, the Bucks is, Bucks was cool for a second there when the season kicked off. Yeah. But now we're, you know, like in the unremarkable early stages of the season. Packers are fine, but you're still middle of the year. I got nothing interesting going. <laughs> I, I wrote a you, thing. Right. Like, like top 10 Wisconsin athletes that could be two sports. Uh, I could do that, I suppose. I say, like, like put Giannis in at tight end. <laughs> Top 10 Packers who could play first base for the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> Top 10 Packers, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I wrote a thing about how the Wisconsin herd, the uh, the G League team affiliated with Milwaukee Bucks works. They made some roster moves that affect the the, the G League. It's a little different from, from minor leagues, very different from what you have in the NFL where there is no minor league system yep. whatsoever other than your practice squad. Which, uh, which will come into play. Welcome, Juwan Winfrey and whoever else they Indeed. need to uh, upgrade as this COVID thing continues to spread. But uh, so that's it. It's been it's been slow going. Not going to lie to you. I'm uh, still doing, though, the Bucks and Brewers podcast. Well, not Brewers as much, but the Bucks podcast <laughs> drops every Tuesday at jsonline.com. Me and Jim Ozarski. We've got a couple of cool segments this year that I really like. One is very simply what's making Jim mad, where he just rants about something <laughs> completely. doesn't have to be unrelated to basketball, but it usually is. All right. Um, somehow aliens that's came up great. on one of the episodes. And then... Uh, uh, one quick buck, which is a look at a Bucks player not on neither of the championship teams, not an all-star or a prominent player, but just to remember this guy sort of thing. The, the remember some guys concept continues to live on uh, thanks to Andy Schaff. Can, uh, can I do a quick what makes me mad about the Bucks? Tell me. It's that I hate Grayson Allen. Yes. And whenever I hear his name, it makes me think of Ray Allen. Which, which makes you matter. Which makes me matter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's tough. It's tough. Um Grayson Allen's going to win some people over, I think. I know he is. So why does why does thinking of Ray Allen make you even more mad? Because the trade that sent him out of town is regarded as one of the worst things in Wisconsin sports history. Yeah, and I don't like Grayson Allen, who I hate, making me think of Ray Allen, who I like. Mm, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I think Grayson's going to win some people over. It's going to be tough. A lot of Badger fans who uh, who will not forgive, but uh, he's a decent three-point shooter. He's getting a lot of wide-open looks. He's a solid defender, and they're going to need him. Maybe, maybe the Bucks should just retire Ray Allen's number. I don't um, see any problem with that. I don't think that there's any issues with retiring his number. Hard agree on that. I think what yep. stands in the way is that he's – well, I, I don't – truly, I don't know what stands he's, in the way – the Bucks made some mistakes early on in their retiring numbers situation where they started retiring a lot of guys, sure including did. like Bob Lanier, who was a Hall of Fame player, but like not for his time on the Bucks. Like he just <laughs> sort of like had a nice run at the end of his career. Like they they put a lot of numbers in the rafters and now they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Jerry, I believe Rayon's number is currently occupied. Uh it, it is occupied, but you can still retire the jersey. You yeah. can absolutely do that. Well, that's a thing. What's, oh, the, yeah. what's the point? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, they're not. Yes, they're not going to Things take away changed. 34 from anyone. Any 34 will get into the Raptors. It's already sure there in in spirit. Yeah, you can absolutely have two 34s in the Raptors. Yep. It's weird, but they're not going to be like, well, actually, we shouldn't retire Ray Allen when guys like Brian Winters are retired. Come on, I mean, no offense, Brian Winters, good player, nice player, but like, I used to live a block from really? Brian Winters. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had a great hey. beard, flawless beard. To, to bring it back to football, speaking of retired numbers, guess who had their number retired this this week? Greg Jennings. Well, or uh, uh, Matt Hasselbeck was put into the ring. That's of right. Honor oh yeah, the, the ring of honor and Seahawks. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, Al Harris was not there to intercept. All right, Matt, do you have any plugs, real quick? No, because the only content that I make anymore is this podcast. So you're in the same boat as me. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm busy All living right. in Kansas and half the time and making milk and cheese and stuff. And then occasionally <laughs> raising children, too. Yeah, That's not- I did. With, it's, it's like, a what's the thing? Like, like there was a fight and then a, a game broke out. Like, like I'm, I'm busy being professional and then suddenly parenting breaks out. Yep. That is how it goes. I got uh, yeah. plugs. I got promoted. Nice. Yay. Congratulations. Woo. It turns out when you apply yourself professionally, you move up corporate yeah. ladder. All right. So you have nothing to promote, but someone promoted you. Yes, I am now the automation <laughs> engineering manager. Nice work. That's a thing. Congrats. All right. I All did. Right. What about you, Paul? Besides I, Chester Markle. I wrote a recap for the Shepherd Express, which should be up there now. And I wrote a piece on uh, field goal blocks and how often multiple happen in the same game for the NFL, for the Packers. Um, generally speaking, they happen about once every four years in the NFL. So uh, just so you know that. Um, and uh, yeah, go read that at Acme Packing Company. Of the mini pod later this week, although not that much later because the game's on Thursday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, all that just, I'll, I'll try and squeeze in the Tecmo Bowl sim before then as well, which was pretty good this week. A little, a little more running in Tecmo Bowl than there was in the real game, but also Aaron's best Tecmo Bowl game in, so, uh, in many weeks. And also a Robert Tanyan dominated Tecmo Bowl game, which actually came to fruition. So, uh, was it National Tight Ends Day inside Tecmo Bowl? It, as well? it was. It was National Tight Ends Day inside Tecmo Bowl. That is, uh, that is, seems to be how it went. So, uh, anyway, that will do it for us here. And uh, keep an eye out for all that stuff in the future. And enjoy the game on Thursday night. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.